0: All right, time for our 20 million movement Bible study, 20 million people around the world all studying the Bible at the same time. And just a quick reminder, if you are somewhere where you are struggling with your Faith FM signal or if you are commuting and you suddenly lose the signal, the way to solve that problem is ever so easy. Just download the app onto your phone. It's entirely free. Faith FM Australia. Make sure you get Faith FM Australia. And press play. And there are so many other things you can do on that app. You can look up past programs, you can look up uh, podcasts, you can look up uh, you can you can even make donations right there on the on the app. We always love it when people support what we are doing here at Faith FM. Alright, Bible study for today. We are talking about the story of a blind man. So let's um, let's talk about this blind man for a moment. A blind man who is healed in two stages. So this is a really, really interesting and quite different story. We're going to go to the book of Mark and we're going to start reading in verse 22. So that's Mark chapter 8. Yeah, sorry. Should, probably should give the chapter, shouldn't I? <laughs> Mark verse 22. <clears throat> Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. Please, Angela.
1: All right. then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men, like trees, walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town."
0: Okay, so this is an interesting story right here. And and it's it illustrates what is often called the and Secret. So the and Secret is something you find in the book of Mark where Jesus does a lot of many miracles, particularly early on in his ministry, and he tells people to keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. So let's let's work our way through this story for a little bit. So these guys they bring the blind man to Jesus and they bring Beg Jesus to heal him, and so Jesus then takes the blind. He doesn't, you know. If Jesus wanted to, he could be like, "Oh, okay, great, yep, uh huh, be healed, <laughs> done, mm-hmm. problem solved, move on." The blind man goes his way, Jesus goes his way, and everybody's happy, right? Yep. Uh, there would be no difficulty, no problem at all with Jesus doing that, but Jesus doesn't do that. First of all, he takes him out of the city.
1: Yeah, he's trying for something deeper here that he goes with all of us. We he could help us with the surface things, but he uh-huh. wants to go to the root. Okay.
0: And it's a little bit like the story of, you know, Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, "Yeah, we've heard that you're a great teacher." And Jesus turns around and says, "You need to be born again."
1: And he's like, "Whoa, where do we go here all of a sudden?" <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really deep all of a sudden. <laughs> Absolutely. Nicodemus is like, I didn't say anything about that. And this is one of the things that Jesus does. He bypasses all of the fluff which we often use to cover our own deficiencies. He gets straight to the heart of the matter. He's like, Nicodemus, you came here to talk to me about salvation Mm -hmm. because you're unsure of your salvation. And if you want to talk about salvation, then let's talk about salvation. Yes. Let's not forget all the niceties, you know, great teacher, all this kind of stuff, come from God, etc., etc., etc. Let's talk about the real issues right here.
1: Same thing with the Samaritan woman at the well. She was confronted and right away she changes the subject to something about worship and Jesus is like, so tell me uh, about your husband, <laughs> about all five of them. And the man which you live with now is not your husband right away. And that, that touched the inner part of her heart, a deep longing yeah. to be loved. And if a man is willing to talk to her, and even knows the worst thing about her, and yet is still willing to have a conversation and ask her of something, which is a huge honor in that time, then this man is worth listening to. So Jesus always knows the deepest message that our heart longs for.
0: That's a great example right there, isn't it? You know, Mm -hmm. I'm just sort of thinking about that as you're sharing it. And I wonder how often we do this ourselves when God comes to us to convict us of, you know of our sin, of our need, of his grace, whatever it might be, or of our own deficiencies, so that we can receive his grace. How often do we, you know, divert that by turning into a theological discussion? I mean, that's really what the Samaritan woman did. Yeah. Like, oh, let's talk theology. Yeah. Now, talking theology is not bad. Talking theology is good. It's great but it's not where it was at with the Samaritan lady. And I think it's the same with us very, very often. I think it is not where we should be at. Um, you know, there's, there's a time and place for talking about theology. But I think too often we will bring up theology when we recognize our spiritual deficiencies hmm. and we don't want to confront them. And that was what the lady, the woman at the well was doing. Yeah. She did not want to confront the fact that she had spiritual deficiencies, that her life was a train wreck. She wanted to, to do anything she could to divert from that subject. And the easiest way of diverting from it was like, okay, this guy's a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Uh, there's an easy fail safe right here. Let's talk about ah, uh, where the temple should be, Samaria or Jerusalem.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, but we—I think we all used many different outlets to to get away from the the point that's trying to be made. Some of us maybe debate the theology. Some of us do just completely avoid the conflict, and some of us cast blame on something else. Any ways to get away from that reality that we're not really where we want to be, and we're not really who we want to be.
0: Diversionary tactics, always looking for a. Way of diverting to appeasing our conscience by diverting the conversation somewhere else
1: or turning something on. I don't want to think about it, so I'm going to listen to Christian music. I'm going to watch something, I'm going to scan social Ooh. media.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, Angela, keep going.
1: Oh, I just Let been- the
0: truth cut. Don't hold back this morning, Angela.
1: I oh, know it's my own message actually to myself because this morning I, you know, I've been I've been having a hard time having personal devotions before I come to radio because it's just very early. And this morning on my birthday, I said, "Lord, I want to start it completely with you." And I was reading um, from the book Mount of Blessings, and it was talking about blessed are the meek. And it just really hit home for me because I was like, Lord, I am not meek. I don't think anyone would ever use the word meek to describe me. And I've always been kind of embarrassed about that because I'm like, oh, why can't I ever be meek? And then I was reading today about it and it was a love of self. And I just think it's something so simple, but we make it so complicated. We fight for ourselves because we are we love ourselves. So we we stand up for things that we shouldn't stand up for because we're not willing to humble ourselves and so this morning i was also reading colossians 3 about putting on the character of a new man and i just thought it was so powerful that it comes down to simply love and that if i am honest with myself then i realize that i love myself more than i love god and if i am constantly loving myself when people come to me to help gently guide me to see a side of myself and I just go to defense mechanism or I go to tune out mechanism, it's just because I'm trying to protect myself. Mm. So the message I I say this morning is one that the good Lord gave me on my another year of life.
0: Congratulations (laughs) and happy birthday once again. Loving that, loving that, uh, loving that testimony right there of what God has done for you this morning yeah you know and i think angela's raised a really interesting point right here because when you you know if you did not choose to have devotions this morning would you have had that experience this morning
1: no i would have done the typical thing where i just kind of talk to god while i drive to work this morning
0: and you would miss out on so much of a blessing
1: Oh, and it was so what I needed. It was so awesome because I'm not going to lie to you. Um, it was kind of hard. I was not excited for my birthday this year um, for many reasons. It's been a difficult year and also, you know, 31 as a woman isn't always the greatest year ever. And I said, Lord, I need help or I'm just going to feel sorry for myself. So I need to start out with that. you.
0: <laughs> you, do, you do realize that every woman out there who's over the age of 31 is like, no, 31's actually a great age. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I could go back there right now. It's true, it's true, it's true. Ah, your 30s are your best years. This is. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM positively different.
1: So what are we listening to? Uh, um, while? this is, this is, you were listening to the
0: station ID. <laughs> this is what happens when, um, Lyle has a late night on Sunday night. No, it's
1: true. I understand that like I am young, but it's all about perspective, right? So For sure. when you're, you know, when you're 31 and a lot of your, um, people that you're hanging out with right now are in their early twenties, you feel like an old lady on the block. You know, but if I was hanging out with just a regular church family, then you're right. I'm doing quite well at 31. Yes, if you're, if you're hanging
0: out with uh, <laughs> Shell and myself, then we would be like, yeah, wow, well, you know, 30s. That was the, they, were the, they were awesome years. Wish we could go back there. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, it, is, it is a matter of perspective.
1: Yeah, so and going back to that, the reason I started out with God this morning is because I had two choices for my birthday today. I could feel sorry for myself and be like, oh, this is not quite what I thought I'd have at 31. Or I could say, Lord, I'm gonna spend the day finding things that I'm thankful for, for my 30th year. And it was so cool because Mount of Blessings led me to Colossians 3, because it was talking about um, dying to Christ and being hidden in Him. It was the verse I was trying to find um, when I found the quote about loving myself. And then I kept reading, it was talking about the char- reading, sorry, and I was talking about the character of the new man, and then it was talking, and it had this simple statement, and it just said, be thankful. And I said, whoa, Lord, my plan, you're affirming me. <laughs> so today I'm going to go find a special place in nature and find things that I'm thankful for and reflect upon my 30th year.
0: Okay, so you, you mentioned a moment ago that your, your 30th year was a bit of a rough year. Yeah. But at the same time, you've been in Australia. <laughs> you've been in Switzerland. Mm. France?
1: Uh-huh. Uh, i Kenya. I actually Kenya. turned 30 in Kenya on a mission trip. That's where it started.
0: So you've had an adventurous year. I did. Your 30th, year, 30th, your 30th year could have been a lot worse than that. It's true. It's true. I think you've got a lot of things that you can be thankful for. I
1: definitely, definitely do. And
0: uh, I think, um, yeah, I think it'd be a great opportunity to, to uh, spend some time today in nature making um, a list of all of the blessings that God has given you today. Somebody's texted in to say, uh, happy birthday, Angela. I hope you have a great day. God Aww. bless you.
1: Thank you. That's so sweet.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Where are we up to? We need to get back to our Bible study that we were... um, Well, it's
1: just talking about the fact that Jesus had to lead him out. He didn't heal him right there. He had to lead him out. So why is Jesus leading him out? Yeah, so why? Well, because he is trying to reach this man's heart. And at this point, it's this one man. It's not the whole town that he's concerned about. Is this man and his struggle?
0: Okay, so if he did it in the middle of the town, where there are crowds and crowds and crowds of people, that would catch a lot of attention, wouldn't it? It would, and you would think that would be good for Jesus' cause.
1: But Jesus has never been trying to draw attention to himself, which is what I was also definitely reflecting on this morning. That was never his point. His point was always to glorify the Father, and that's his life was constantly of service. He wasn't trying to be like, "I'm king; give me praise and honor." It was trying to avoid that. That's why, in Mark, he's always saying, "Don't tell anybody." He knows that that's just arousing the anger towards him from the leaders, and so he's asking them, "Please don't tell." And he can't help it. He can't help but heal. Everywhere he sees, he sees hurt, and he wants to do something about it. That was his whole life was one of service. But there's times where he had to take this an extreme view or this extreme stance to help further his mission was to take the person away and be like, let me heal you quietly because I deeply care about you. But I'm also trying to live a little bit longer to finish the mission that God has called me to do.
0: Absolutely. This is a fantastic point that you've brought out right there. And I think that, you know, when I've ever read this story, I've always focused in on the fact that Jesus was, you know, lengthening his ministry by keeping a lot of these things a secret. And of course, you can read here where a lot of these secrets are not well kept, (laughs) Um, but I love the idea that you brought out there where he focuses on the individual. Mm. So let's, 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 let's think about this miracle within two scenarios. Let's say that Jesus performs this miracle in the middle of the city where there are, you know, he's surrounded by lots of people. It's going to catch a lot of attention. You would think that that would be good for Jesus' ministry because you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. There's just publicity, so there's publicity. And, of course, you know, this is a very positive thing that has happened. But I think in the middle of that, as crowds and crowds of people gather around, what's going to happen to the person who was just healed? You know, he's going to sort of fade into the background, isn't he? Mm -hmm as all of the attention is focused on Jesus Christ. And for somebody like myself, if I put myself in those shoes, I can see that it would be very easy and very tempting to start focusing on the crowd and to forget about the individual. As be like, wow, that was pretty exciting. The guy just got healed. Uh, but now there's crowds of people around me and they all want to hear what I've got to say. And that can be very tempting to the human ego. And so it would be, you know, there's a, there's a temptation there to become sidetracked. Now, of course, Jesus wouldn't fall to that temptation. For me, I can see myself falling for a temptation like that. Jesus wouldn't fall for that temptation, but there's still going to be a distraction, a distracting element between him and the blind man. And so often we see this in the Bible where, yes, Jesus did take times where he preached to crowds, but there were were many, 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 many times when he just wanted to spend time with an individual Mm. and he takes this individual out and spends time with this individual and heals him yeah
1: Um, and i think this is where you see a principle of god's government that we have a very difficult time replicating here on earth and that is the power of one compared to the greater good you know it's very easy as a government or as a organization that goes in to help people, you wanna like figure out how to help the masses. And what's so incredible to me about Jesus, and I have no idea how he does this, but he thinks about the masses, but yet at the same time he can think about one. And I just don't know how he does that. He he knows how to individually reach to each one of us, but at the same time he sees this greater picture and this this web of everybody's lives overlapping someone else's life, right? And like somehow he still knows how to think about the good that needs to happen in the whole world. But yet he knows how to individually reach out to each one of us. And I think this is where you see an example of that.
0: And so you've got a situation where in our world today, if you think about it, people who reach the masses mm. are the people that we honor. Yeah. You know, we will talk about some great evangelist and how he's preached to audiences of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and, and you know, thousands and thousands of people who have been baptized and, and uh, you know, he's reached out to the masses. How often do we think about an individual who likewise dedicates his entire life to service Mm -hmm. and to serving God, becomes the carer for a disabled person and cares for that person for their entire life?
1: Hmm. And that's all.
0: And that's all they do. Yeah. And uh, we celebrate the person who goes to the masses, but shouldn't we likewise celebrate the person who is a carer for one person? Definitely. Because this is what we see Jesus doing on many occasions. He just goes and he ministers to one person.
1: And I think that's a big wake-up call to us too, to invest in one. Often we just try to invest, and in, I know for me personally, as a teacher you just try to like invest in everyone, and sometimes by investing in everyone you've really invested in no one. And so taking that individual time to really understand one person and, and spend a lot of time with that one person it takes a lot out of you and it's, it's honestly more difficult than to just keep investing a little bit here and there in everybody um but i think if we did that i mean i just it would be an incredible waterfall effect if we just deeply concentrated on one person maybe every year just pick another person and just deeply invest in them for a year or maybe longer but just try really and yeah i just did a call for myself Deeply invest. Who am I to deeply invest in this new year of life?
0: (laughs) And the thing is that Jesus knew when to invest in one person and when to invest in multiple people. Mm. And he did both. And so there is an opportunity for both. There is a calling for both. And um, we need to know what our calling is. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We are talking about the blind man who was healed in two stages. Maybe we should go on and talk about those two stages, Angela.
1: I think actually what we've been talking about goes exactly with that. Because look at what happens in verse 24. What does he see? He sees men like trees walking. He can't see right away the first time. Why? My turn because, to ask the questions. <laughs> because
0: Jesus failed. That's why. Jesus tried to do a miracle. It didn't work. Hmm. So he got a blind man. He's like He's like completely blind. And Jesus... Um, touches his eyes, you know, takes them outside of the city. They, they get you know some privacy, touches his eyes and says, what do you see? And he's like, oh, I can see kind of men like trees. You can sort of see this fuzzy thing happening in the background. So Jesus failed. Did Jesus fail? That, well, well, the guy <laughs> couldn't see properly, could he?
1: Is that always is it, the is teacher's it? fault because the teacher didn't <laughs> teach? <laughs> 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 Who has ownership here?
0: <laughs> okay, but isn't that a... If Jesus had not failed, he would have been able to see with 20-20 vision.
1: Um, But we forget the fact that we have a role to play.
0: All right. Mm -hmm. So let's read the rest of this story. Where are we up to?
1: Okay. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored to and saw everyone
0: clearly. So Jesus had to do this twice. Mm -hmm. This is the only miracle in the Bible where Jesus fails the first time around and has to go back and have, another, have a second crack at it.
1: Okay. What do you. <laughs> you have a point so, to make. What do you want to so, make?
0: So, my big question <laughs> is why? Okay, so let me ask this question first. Mm. Did Jesus not have the power to heal him in one go?
1: Definitely he did.
0: Okay, so Jesus could have done. So, therefore, the fact that he is healed in two stages. Is Jesus' choice? You know, for us, you know, we might have a first crack at something that doesn't work. We go back have a second crack at it. Like, oh, we got there, you know. And sometimes we say, third time you're lucky. Uh, but for Jesus, that was never <clears throat> a requirement because Jesus was, you know, he could always do it first time.
1: Hmm. But he has something. But he chooses to uh-huh. do it in two stages because this man has a special lesson he needs to learn.
0: Okay. All right. So let's think about this. In the, if you are the blind man, it's like, okay, Jesus is taking me out of the city. Something, something's going to happen here. This, this is going to be good. This, this can't be negative. I'm with Jesus. Goes outside of the city. Jesus touches his hands, and suddenly you can sort of see vague shapes moving around. How do you feel right then?
1: Oh man, you're so close. You can taste it. You're like I'm right there. <laughs> this is this is this is right here. And you know it proves that <clears throat> he could obviously see before for him to know what a tree was or.
0: Okay, so he's had sight in the past,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he's like, yeah, this kind of looks like uh, you know, <clears throat> big lumps just moving backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. But he can't, you know, he can't see faces. He can't see details. I don't know. I would be like. If I, was, if I was the blind man, you've heard about the miracles of Jesus. You've been taken to Jesus because he does miracles. Jesus takes you out and Jesus is going to do a miracle. It's like, yep, great. I'm going to have my sight back. You know what it was to have sight in the past. Jesus then heals you and it's like, wait, what? Is that all? That's how, kind of how I would feel. Fair enough. Like, I, I was kind of expecting to get 22 in any vision and now I can see light and shadows mm. and that's all.
1: Yeah, it would be actually a very big disappointment, huh?
0: It'd be a bit confronting, I think. <laughs> Particularly if you knew and believed that Jesus was the Messiah, was God. It's like, really? God doesn't have the power to actually give me full sight? I've only got partial sight? All right, so then Jesus comes back, has another crack at it, and this time, 2020 vision, just like that. Cha boom! It is like crystal clear. And he can see everything. So it all comes back to the question of why. Why does Jesus heal in two stages?
1: Well, I'm not quite sure, honestly, why for the man. But I can say the lesson there for us, for sure, there's definitely a lesson for
0: us. Okay, what's that lesson for us?
1: Well, I think that the lesson there for us is the fact that... um, If we choose to, then we can see the world how we want to see it, which is slightly completely blind, not noticing people or seeing people for how we could help them. Um, And we can have like a partial relationship with Jesus, right? We can hold them at bay and say, I will take you this much, but that's as far as I'll take you. I only want this much of your lifestyle in my life. I only want this much of... Uh, the way you should live life. For example, you know, self, self humility and sacrifice. Um, I'm going to do part of it, but I'm not do all of it. Um, or you can say, God, I'll take you all the way. And then that is when we get clear vision of the world that we need to participate in, and we get the privilege of serving in.
0: Let's say that you were born with the same eyesight that this man had in stage two. Okay. So now you can see shadows, you can see people, you know, you can see movement, all that kind of stuff, and you can function at a certain level in society. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're born that way. And no one ever tells you that it's ever different from that. No one ever tells you that, you know, there is actually this thing as, you know, very, very clear eyesight where you can see lots of detail. You would grow up learning to function in your environment with that limited amount of eyesight and you would possibly even develop a level of satisfaction with having that level of eyesight and you wouldn't actually even know you're blind. That's true. And that is a bit of a dangerous situation to be in because if you don't know that you're legally blind, then, you know, you might say, well, you know, it's time for me to go and get my driver's license.
1: And then all of a sudden that doesn't work out very well.
0: That's right, because you're legally blind and you can't get a driver's licence. And so basically what, you know, this guy was healed to the point of being legally blind. I think the lesson for this, Jesus was doing this for a purpose Mm -hmm. because he knew that, okay, if Jesus makes a mistake, that's going to get written down. Okay. And it looks like Jesus has made a mistake here. You know, he hasn't healed the guy properly, he's only half healed him. He knows this story is going to be written down and recorded because it's an aberration, and there is a lesson there for us. And to understand the lesson, we need to understand what blindness actually means. Let's go over to uh, Revelation chapter 3. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3 and very, very famous passage here. Uh, Let's read from verse 16 to 18, please, Angela.
1: So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see.
0: Okay. Anoint your eyes with eye salve, or ointment, or medicine, so that you are able to see. Here you've got people who are followers of Jesus Christ. So they obviously have some level of vision, but they are legally blind. Mm-hmm. What jumps out to me is this. You know, God says, you know, you're lukewarm, you're half Christians, you're half accepted Jesus. So you've got kind of half eyesight, but they don't even know it. They have no idea that they are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. Mm. And it's something that I think that we all need to stop and think about when we read this story right here. We need to ask ourselves the question... Do I see Jesus today with 2020 vision? Hmm. Or do I see Jesus with, you know, being legally blind? Yeah. And if we are seeing Jesus through that fog of being legally blind, then we need to make that full surrender to Jesus where nothing comes between us and Christ so that we can receive that 2020 vision of Jesus. That's why Jesus does this in two stages to teach us this lesson.